0: would be honored if you would join us all right everyone welcome to another episode of dungeon crawlers where we have returned i'm just gonna leave it as simple as that we've returned and with that said let's just move on we're gonna talk about well i guess what it comes down to is never have i ever dungeon crawler style i'm gonna turn it over to krebs because he's gonna explain the rest of it
1: You know, Never Have I Ever is one of those very interesting social games. It's sort of the almost a verbal equivalent to anything we could achieve with Cards Against Humanity in terms of what we can learn uh, embarrassingly uh, about our friends and family and other loved ones. Never Have I Ever is a game where one person says, Never Have I Ever, and then they state something that they have never done. The others in the group then... Uh, will indicate whether or not they have done that thing. This is usually done by holding up a certain number of fingers, then reducing the number of fingers as you have done the things that people claim. Or it can also be done as a drinking game. But of course, here we are at Dungeon Crawlers, and we have very little that we can do. So uh, what we are going to do is just sort of keep a mental tally here. We're not looking for winners or losers here. This is more like a, just an interesting getting to know each other a little bit better. And maybe you folks at home could play as well as we say, never have I ever, and then say something horrifyingly embarrassing about us that might cost us our nerd card. All right. So, uh, I will kick this off. I will kick this off. Uh, and let's keep it just, uh, I'm going to start off kind of simple and then we'll get to something more horrifying as we go. Uh, never have I ever played backgammon.
2: That's not something that's like super, super uncommon necessarily. A lot of people don't Play a lot of the old school abstract games but it's always weird to me because with get backgammon specifically i grew up playing backgammon with my father on campouts like that's just what we did we'd get our bag of beef jerky oberto and uh our our nice fold out uh backgammon set and just play in the tent until it was time to sleep so it's one of those things that just kind of like i don't know that's weird to me so what's <laughs> What's kind of the what's kind of the barrier to you that uh, has kept you away from backgammon?
1: I never had a family member that particularly liked the game despite the fact that there was always a backgammon set in our house somewhere. And uh, even though I played chess and checkers, and my grandfather taught me how to play solitaire and a bunch of other games that are traditional and ancient, um, I was never taught how to play backgammon, and no one ever asked me to play backgammon. And that, uh, now I'm in my 40s, and I still haven't played it. I haven't played a digital version. I haven't played a physical version. Just just never interested me.
2: Yeah, you're not missing much.
0: <laughs>
2: so that means Dan has played,
0: then. I have played it, but it's, yeah, you're not missing much. Uh, just, play Mon- oh. just play Moncala. It, it's a little bit better. <sighs> uh, uh. <laughs> There's so many better games out there. I prefer Pente,
2: the ancient game of stones. You're not strictly wrong that there are better games out there, but is Moncala better backgammon? I don't know that I agree with that, like, at all. That's okay. Moncala is solvable. Backgammon is not.
1: Ooh. Yeah, see, and with such a very simple statement of never have I ever, now we have traveled down a dark tunnel.
2: It is true, but... What that means is that it's time for someone else to get themselves in trouble because both Dan and I have done that thing, which you have not done.
1: That is true. That is true. Uh, so so uh, let's see. To be honest with you, I don't know if play passes to the next person who hasn't done the thing or not. But since it's just the three of us, let's just go in a round. Alton, take it over, man.
2: Uh, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some uh, low-hanging fruit here. Uh, I... Never have I ever, ever uh, watched an episode of uh, Walking Dead. Oh,
0: oh, ah, oh, that hurts a little. I- I- I'm gonna have to answer the same as I did with a uh, with a.
1: Uh, this is gonna hurt too. The
0: last one. You're not missing much. <sighs>
1: <laughs> and here I am, a solid Walking Dead fan. You know.
0: Season one was good. After that, it just, it tanked.
1: I would say, I would say the first three seasons were just phenomenal. I know the second season was a slow burn, but it ended on such a, a just, just a, an explosive note. No pun. And, um, and third season, I I think actually the whole show up to about season five was just magical, but I think the first three seasons were just stellar. And as time has gone on, it has definitely grown long in the tooth, and they're hanging on. And even I, still a fan, still I still enjoy the show, but even I find myself saying, guys, when are we When are we going to end this? And actually the news just came out that season 11 will be the final season. Season 10's uh, back half was, um, I, I, I guess ending half, I'm not sure if it's the back or the front, I think it's the back half, uh, has been delayed. Because of COVID and things like that. So it it's timeline-wise, it's being stretched out a little bit. But uh season eleven will be the final season. But there is a spin-off series coming soon. And uh and then there's another spin-off series coming soon. So that'll be four different Walking Dead shows. When you include Walking Dead, fear the Walking Dead. Um, the next one is I forget what it's called. I want to call it saints and sinners, but I think that's the video game. And then uh, the fourth one doesn't have a name yet, but it focuses on Daryl and Carol, which sounds like a Bob Newhart joke. But anyway,
2: yeah. um, <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing from Krebs is that it's, you know, it's a beautiful piece of work, at least for the first few seasons. And then it turns into something of a zombie.
1: I, I, Oh, Oh, you see what I did oh. there.
2: You see, oh. uh,
1: I smell what you did there. That was, oh, ooh. I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, do I think it's worthwhile to watch the first season. If you watch nothing past that, I can accept that. But the first season was excellent.
2: Okay. I will agree with that. Fair enough. And with that, that means that it is Dan's turn. Dan, Dan, oh. never have you, never what? Okay,
0: well, I mean... um, I think i'm gonna date myself but <laughs> never have i ever played sega cd oh! Oh! Dan!
2: <laughs> i'm trying to think if i have ever played a sega cd as you consider this was was monster rancher was monster rancher on the sega oh. cd oh come on <laughs> no no it was not Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I've got it straight in my head now. Oh, good. I've got All it straight good. in my head. Sega CD awesome. was
1: the add-on for the Sega Genesis Master System. Uh, it it had two different generations, and uh, the first generation was a front-loading drawer-style model. The second generation extended out to the right more and had a mechanical pop-up lid, and oh, it man, took CD-ROMs. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and no joke Behind me by about mm, Eight feet at most Is an original Sega Genesis With a Gen 2 Sega CD And a 32X add-on It is one of my all-time favorite retro consoles That I still play on occasion to this day
2: Well, so I believe that that means That Dan scored a point Because neither have I ever played with a sega cd and that is something that my wife will be very upset to hear i'm sure when she listens to the episode uh because i don't think that we've ever talked about it before and she has very fond memories of playing with a sega cd as a child but uh nevertheless that is a point for dan for finding something that uh someone else has yet to do and Uh, by the way oh go ahead Uh, I was going to say, and by the way, for all of you listening and keeping track out there, if you do hear something that one of us has not done, or especially if multiple of us have not yet done it, this is a great time to let us know that that's something that you'd like us to do research, do an episode, even tell us what's your favorite thing or the thing that we absolutely have to consume in order to uh, participate in that beautiful experience together. I would love to do a series of first try episodes.
1: I used to do this thing when I was when I was streaming more frequently on Twitch. I used to do this thing called first try, which of course is a nod to Lego Batman who throws five batarangs and he's all first try when he finally hits the target. But the idea was Here's this thing that I've, it was usually video game centric. Here's this game that I've owned forever and I've never played it. I'm going to give it a go. Uh, and, and so my first time was on the air, you know, playing this game. I would love for us to do a series of of first try episodes where one of us takes a never have I ever item that we've never done. And then we try it live with reactions. I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. Cool.
2: That means it's Krebs' turn.
1: Oh, it is my turn. Um, okay. Um, Never have I ever personally owned a d and d book really not once uh, I've played d and d i you know I've had other people introduce me to it i've I've gone through I've borrowed player manuals and things like that. I have never once been gifted nor paid for a d and d manual of any kind.
0: I can't claim that because I have an entire Just a small bookshelf that is nothing but D&D books.
1: I'm pretty sure you have every dungeon and every dragon.
2: All except for first edition. Yeah, I'm actually building out my first edition and AD&D collection right now, funnily enough. If anybody comes and visits me at uh, Mythos, I've got cool things in the back room that are currently being uh, cataloged and cleaned up and things like that.
0: See, I love AD&D. That is my... Oh man, I love that. D
2: and D was great.
0: You know, and, and you know, and very few people will understand when you say thatko. You know, they're like what? <laughs> uh, but man, I loved that system. Uh, I loved it so much that they are the only D and D books I own where the spine is broken and retaped and <laughs> bound back together. And then I had to buy a second set, which I didn't unwrap, just so I can say I have wrapped versions of those in case the originals fall
2: apart. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the term that Dan just no- so nonchalantly uh, birthed back into the world, That's Thacco. Thacco stands to hit armor class zero. Dan, explain away the thing that my father-in-law would tell you deserved to die.
0: <laughs> you know,,
2: I, yeah, I, I loved
0: Thacko. It, it was always interesting, you know it, OK, so fifth edition, your stat. You know, right now, your standard armor class is 10, right? It's the same in second edition. The only difference is you're going downward. you know You need to do math. If you can't do b- basic math, you're screwed in this game, uh, this version of the, of the game, because it's a lot of subtracting and adding and um, I love that. You know there was nothing more satisfying than saying you had a negative two armor class. You know Now it's like, yeah, I got, a, I got a 15. That doesn't sound cool. A negative two. That just sounds amazing. (laughs) And then you go fight a dragon and it has a negative 34. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't know. For me, that negative number just meant something.
2: (laughs) Uh, It meant a lot of long hours and long division. Nevertheless, (laughs) uh, good to know that uh, Krebs is going to get a cool Christmas present this year, then. Heck yes. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So then. I think that means that it's back to me now. It is. Let's see. Now my goal here is to try to catch one of you, but not both of you in Ooh, something. So let's, right. let's see. Uh, never have I ever. Oh shoot. That's not true anymore. Cause last week <laughs> I did it for the first time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I gotta, gotta take it back a second. Um, uh... Shoot, guys, this well, is hard. While you're thinking of that,
1: uh, I had one of those as well. I, I would like to know what it is that you, uh, that you just unwrapped, but um, for me, th- there was a time there where I could say never have I ever played Dominion, which is a uh, deck-building card game that's very popular, but uh, not terribly long ago, I had my first game.
2: Nice. Yeah, for me, it was uh, I finally played a Tiny Epic game for the first time.
1: <gasps> I just uh... discovered those.
2: Yeah, Tiny Epic Galaxies I played for the first time, and it's one I've literally sold dozens of copies, but every time that I've had the opportunity to pick up a new game, either I haven't had one handy, or there's been something else that I've wanted to play more.
1: If you had to guess which Tiny Epic I want most, what would you say?
2: Huh. Zombies? Exactly. Nailed it. First shot. Now, here's the thing. I've heard that uh, people really don't particularly care for that one of all the tiny epic games. They say it's the weakest. So don't go in with high expectations. I'd be down with like the tiny epic adventures or whichever one is
1: like the dungeon crawler one.
0: Wow. Mm. I've never played it.
1: I I only just (laughs) came across these for the first time like a week ago. Mm. And I'm totally fascinated by them. But back to our friend Alton. Hey, Alton. Never have you ever what?
2: Never have I ever um, brought a book to be signed by an author? (gasps) What?
0: Okay, let's
1: be be clear. Let's let's be clear. So you're saying specifically, you never have you ever brought a book already in your collection to an author to be signed. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, I've never explicitly been like, I am going to comic-con today to get a book signed by so-and-so, or I'm going to a book signing specifically so that I can get something. I've been presented with signed books and there have been many instances in which I have had a book that the author has been nearby and just been like, Oh, let me sign that for you. But I've never like gone out of my way to go to someone and be like, will you sign this for me?
1: Mm, I, uh, I'm thinking now. I Okay, so I've been to book signings where I purchased the book and then had the author sign it there on the spot. I've Does done that... that. Okay, okay, no, okay. I've so specifically that. in your collection. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep talking about this. i got to check the BRB.
0: I have totally done that. I have totally taken books to a book signing uh,
2: and a Comic-Con
0: uh, to get signed. So I, I can't say that.
2: Yeah, It's it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't know. I don't think far enough ahead, I think is part of it. But the other thing is that I don't, I don't know. It's just never something that's had a lot of weight for me. So tell me then, Dan, as someone with much more experience than I, what was that critical experience for you? And what was the book that was so important that you brought it specifically to be signed?
0: So my very first time ever doing it?
2: Yeah. Or just Uh, the most, the most important one to you.
0: Okay, so that's fairly easy. Uh, the first time that I decided, hey, I'm gonna go get my book signed, uh, I took twelve of my R.A. Salvatore books to go have <laughs> have uh, Bob sign them at Media Play back the- at Media Play uh, oh. because he knew he knew one of the managers there, and he came to Media Play in Midville at like every other year. Uh, so I took all twelve of my books uh to be signed and of course my friends that were with me like freaking out because Bob you know when he signs a book, even paperbacks, he like cranks the page over, you know, folding it down to sign. And all my buddies like, dude, you're just gonna you you're gonna lose it. Because I don't <laughs> put the spines on my paperback. He's like, you're gonna lose it. I'm like, I don't care. It's gonna be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, were they all
2: your driss novels yeah
0: yeah yeah at the time uh, so what
2: what was it that like made that meaningful and important to you though to to go just, have that done
0: uh just because uh you know i had never met him i loved the book series and i i i wanted him autographed uh i had never had that opportunity up to that point and it was like i really want to do this um now it's really weird that, you know, fast forward several years and now I'm friends with him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, that first time. It was the weirdest, craziest thing. You know, it's just like, oh, there's an author. It's my favorite author. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get it signed. Uh, and then I waited in line for like over an hour. So, <laughs> but it was totally worth it. But the the sad thing is, is. That's like only the first half of my collection. The last half of my collection doesn't have any of the signatures in it, which which is a shame. (laughs) I need to fix that.
2: Now, now just to be clear to anybody out there listening, this is not by any means me mocking anybody to whom this is important. I have helped many authors at conventions, and I've seen how important some of these experiences are to people. It's just that I personally have not experienced that yet. I, there may eventually come a moment in my life, um, but that opportunity hasn't presented itself to me yet.
0: Yeah. So, uh, okay. so
2: Krebs, you went in to do some uh, archival research. Uh, what did you find?
1: Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, I am a huge proponent of the Palladium RPG tabletop system. Are you I like Palladium. Also... I know, right? I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm a huge Palladium fan. I also don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm also a huge zombie fan. And it ends up that those two worlds collide in the game Dead Rain, a zombie apocalypse game by Palladium. And yes, I took my core book to a convention in Michigan, the Palladium Open House, in May of 2009. And uh, I was able to get it signed by multiple people including the head of palladium and the original creator of dead rain
2: wow you must have been like what 30 at that point point? 35
1: yeah that's about right that's was... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was i was 30 i was 30 wow
2: i can't over a decade ago
1: yeah and actually that the same friend that i went to michigan with for that spe- uh this is it's its own whole story, mind you. But we went to Michigan for the Playm Open House for one nerd convention, and we stayed at a hotel where another completely separate and unaffiliated nerd convention was being held simultaneously. So it was PenguinCon, which is which started off as like a Linux uh, user group type convention, and it ended up being just like it's it's like where where Nerd Pinocchio would go to become a jackass. It was like absolute nerd oddness and 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 strange geekish debauchery which basically
2: just ended up in cosplay karaoke but anyway um for and for any of you who do not understand (laughs) i was not krebs calling anybody a crass word no it is literally a piece of the story it it is from
1: literature i was not using a profane term i was using a technical (laughs) term and uh it was absolutely about pinocchio in the original literature but the point is um went to michigan with a buddy uh, he he made it possible for us to go, and had an amazing time. Got to meet some of my RPG uh, game design heroes and artists that I that I still talk with on occasion from time to time. And uh, just recently, that same friend reached out to me, and he's like, "Hey, want to go again?" And the answer, <laughs> the answer is yes, I do. I have two little kids and a career. I'm not sure I can go right now. <laughs> But anywho, uh I have done that thing that you have never done. I have I have brought i I brought a book from my collection to be signed by its artists and creators.
0: Oh I, I've even done it for, for game books too. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, with that it's Dan's turn now. You know, I'm just thinking
0: of stuff that just makes me sound older. It it's sad. That's okay never, though. Never have I ever Owned a single Thundercat toy. <gasps> Damn! I know.
1: <laughs> it's horrible. If this were a real game of Never Have
2: I Ever, I would have been out by now. I, so, here's, so, so here's the critical question, okay? The whole reason that I brought up that, you know, you were 35 a decade ago, Krebs, is because was I, was still a in, ago. I was still in high school, so I don't know that we can count this one because I don't think that the Thundercats toy has existed in my lifetime. Hey, they've true. had reprints. Not they've true. had reprints. They
1: had a reboot of the show, which had its own toy line. Yeah. There, there have been opportunities, my friend. Oh, right.
2: We did We did talk about that on Rad Dome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a liar. By the way, we should okay. totally do a Rad Dome part two. I think we should do. Okay, well, that's the second point for Dan then uh, per per the ruling of the committee. <laughs> so what's, rules what's are arbitrary and the points don't matter so then sell me on this uh, why what is it that is makes what? them worth having
1: okay so at the time uh you know we're talking mid 80s you know this is this and we talked about this in random. This is like the flood of Gen One Transformers and original GI Joe's and even Gobots got in on the scene. he man masters of the universe. every show was capitalizing on the Star Wars formula where you 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 sell an IP and then you have toys attached and eventually actually very quickly, the formula flipped so that the toys would be first and the shows would come out as basically half hour commercials to sell those toys
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Thundercats, although I I looked it up recently, like just last week, not an exaggeration, and um, there are story points in in Thundercats that give the Thundercats mythos some actual depth. That said, the show had an enormous smattering of toys, and the toys were really cool in that. They were larger than He-Man figures for the most part, in terms of height. They had fairly detailed accessories lion uh, lion o came with the sort of omens in its full extended form uh, but it also came with um, his gauntlet that he used to wear. i forget what it's called but you had appropriate weapons for every character it was uh, every every action figure mimicked the show rather well and then came the vehicles and the vehicles had actions of their own and accessories of their own. And so even though it was capitalizing on the fandom, it ended up that the toys, as, as time went on, the toys became more and more detailed and more articulated. Uh, they got really very interesting in how they were doing things, but but getting the figures and combining them with the play sets or the vehicles, that's where the magic was. Yep. And I, See? I, I remember I had a birthday. I was, I think, eight. And one of the gifts I received straight up was a sword of omens. Now there were different forms of the sword of omens. There was always like for those who know the show, it's in dagger form where the yep. hilt is a lot shorter uh, and withdrawn. And then you know he says thunder, thunder, thundercats, and then it the, the sword extends to a, a full-length a long sword. The the toy that I received was the full-length long sword. It took um batteries, took like double A's, and then it had a button so that you could light up the insignia in the hilt. And it was the coolest toy sword I ever owned.
2: See, all I'm thinking of uh, is is Homestar Runner. You guys remember Homestar oh, Runner? Oh, I love Homestar Runner. All, all I'm thinking of is Cheat Commandos. Buy all <laughs> our play sets and toys. <laughs> And you know what that's based on the GI Joe
1: thing right that 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 oh, was based 100%. on 80s toys that that's exactly how it went
2: Yeah I get it but it just that's all I can that just that all of those little jingles are now going through my head it's a beautiful you know, thing
1: the, the last thing I will say about ThunderCats toys is that you know since you already had Masters of the Universe and those toys had certain niches and certain built-in actions and they had they had done certain nichey things like battle damage armor where when you tap the chest it rotates to yep. show damage um Mechanics. they, they
0: neck extends.
1: Yeah, yeah, mechanek if you rotate his torso at the waist, his head would extend like a periscope. Um you Stumble. had yeah, <laughs> It's Dinkor who just smelled like patchouli. But <laughs> yeah. um but all of them if uh, most of them, most most of the figures you could like or some of them anyway, you could you could um Grab them by the hand, rotate them at the waist and let go. And they would have, they would swing right. back on yep. a rubber band. Yep. And so there was always, there was always all these little actions, and depending on which version of the figure you purchased. Thundercats had to do the same thing but differently. And so from the very first gen of the toys, Lionel, who when he when he uses his sight beyond sight ability in the show, his eyes glow. So to make that happen with the toys, you had this little um you had this little apparatus that you would fit on your finger and you would put a single double A battery in this apparatus. The end of it was an electrical contact. And in the back of Liono was this dual metal ring, very, very tiny, like like uh, almost looks like the the receiving end of a snap. And you would put the electrical contact into his back and his eyes would light up, which was very cool. And there was nothing in the Masters of the universe line that did anything remotely close to that at the time. Uh, and all the action figures tried to do something unique with either their weapons or with their figure actions, and I thought that was very cool. Cool. Krebs, it's to you. All right, cool. I haven't talked enough. Let's do this again. Um, Let's (laughs) see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, So uh, I feel like I, I want to do a couple of bundles, and the dangerous part here is if even one of these things applies to you, then... Then you've done this thing, right? Um, but even so, ne- I'm a huge video game nerd, but never have I ever played a jaguar, a turbographic sixteen, or a Dreamcast. i I should clarify, I have never played one in a home. Of course, I played the Dreamcast. I played a little bit of a demo model in a software, et cetera, once upon a time before they were gamestop. Um, but like no real sit down. I've played this thing. I just kind of dinked around with it while I was waiting in the store. So never have I ever played a TurboGrafx sixteen, a Jaguar, or a Dreamcast.
2: So, for rules' sake, I'm gonna say if two of three, then you've done it. But if only okay. one of three or zero of three, we miss. I like yeah, it. I like it. Better. I I played all three. <laughs>
0: Sega CD is the only video game system I have not played.
2: I have only played Dreamcast of those three. So Krebs gets a point. I get a point. I got yeah. I got one, and, and uh, the other person already did it, so yep. Okay, Dan, so then since you've played all three, what is the superior console, and which console has the superior game? I have a guess. Nine of them. Oof. I'm saying of those three, there must be a winner.
0: Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I never got to own one. The only way I got to play them was over at a friend's house. Um, Yeah. I really can't say any of those which were like super exciting or any of the games that were like, man, I really wish I had one of those to play those games again.
1: I've always wanted one for my retro station because I have a a bunch of retro consoles. All the consoles I've owned for the most part are in this retro station that I've built. But um, I never never owned a Jaguar, a TurboGrafx-16, a Dreamcast, and just for some bonus points, I have also never owned a Sega Saturn, a 3DO, or a Neo Geo. Because I wasn't rich, yeah. So, you know, when when your Neo Geo console in the '90s cost six hundred dollars to purchase, yep. every game was a one hundred dollar cartridge. I
0: know there was yep. no way that was coming. They out. were ridiculous. The Neo Geo ridiculous. Bad system.
1: It was it was a it was a neat idea in concept, but its pricing was just outrageous. Yeah. So you know of the of those three though of those three mentioned, if um given the loyalty of fans who owned the systems when they were new i would say that dreamcast is probably the most desirable of the three
0: yeah i mean if if i were to have to pick it would probably be that one um i'm just i'm sitting here trying to think of the the game there was a game that we did play quite quite frequently um, I mean, there's like Bonk's
1: Adventure on Turbo Graphics, Or was that Jaguar? I don't even remember anymore. I think it was TurboGrafx. But uh, yeah, Bonk's Adventure where you were a giant-headed chibi caveman and you bonked everything with your skull.
2: Yeah. Uh, anyway.
1: So, all right. So, so Dreamcast all right, I scored a
2: point. Yeah, you did. Yeah, dream, Dreamcast games. I'm just flipping through a list to, like, remind myself of everything that I played. Because the thing is, again, I'm the young in here. And sometimes systems get mixed up in my well, I mean,
0: head. But yes,
2: I definitely played the Dreamcast. Crazy Taxi is where
0: that came out, right? Yeah, Crazy
2: Taxi, crazy Taxi 2. That.
0: That yeah, one Crazy was Taxi fun. 2.
2: Time Static. Crisis. House Sonic, Sonic Adventure, Adventure 2, man. One. Yeah, I mean, Sonic Adventure Fantasy and 1-on-2.
0: On How did I forget about that one? Oh, Jet I mean.
2: Set Radio. It was a short-lived system, but it was no slouch.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, All right. so... Uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do something similar here then, okay. and this is one that I'm pretty sure I can trip Dan on. Meaning, I'm pretty sure he will have fulfilled probably all three of these, but I might be able to catch Krebs. Uh, so, same thing, two of three, right? If you've done two of three, then I don't that get you've you. done the thing. So, never have I ever, and this is something that is very sad and painful to me. Never have I ever met a cast member or anybody from any of star trek star wars or battlestar galactica
0: oh wow i i've done all of them
2: (laughs) i knew i was i felt pretty confident that dan will have done it all but yeah despite the fact that star trek and star wars played huge huge roles in my life and i know a lot of people who are adjacent to people in *Battlestar galactica it's just never happened for me
0: no 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 well no no that that doesn't work either because uh, i've met people uh well i've interviewed you know richard hatch and dirk uh, benedict from the old yeah. battle star and uh edward james Olmos
2: from the new one From the new *Battlestar*. Uh, now
1: now, Alton, I'm assuming that you're referring to the new Battlestar. Is that correct or incorrect?
2: Uh, I am willing to accept
0: either. Okay. Well, and Richard okay. Hatch was even in the new one, too. So, um,
2: yeah. Okay, Krebs. So who have you met from Castor crew of those three franchises?
1: Uh, I am going to lovingly draw this out just a little bit. I am an enormous Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I would argue that that I can hold my own amongst most Star Wars
0: fans.
1: (laughs) I have never met a cast member from Star Wars.
0: Wow. Not once.
1: And it's something I've always wanted to do. When Mark Hamill came to Salt Lake a handful of years ago, and it was basically going to be his one and done, um, I wanted to go so badly. So badly. And it just did not work out. And I could not get to go, although I think Dan was there for that, weren't you?
0: I was. I was at that panel. I actually have a photo of him. I have stricken his hand. Uh, I have met Mark Hamill. Um, really awesome. Very nice guy. Uh, that panel was amazing. And I, I had an extra pass to that panel that I had to just give, like, didn't use.
2: Really? Really, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah.
2: Really, Dan?
1: He just held and, a pass in each hand just because he could. Well,
0: it's like, yeah, I, I had an extra one. I, um, <sighs> yeah, sorry. I, I, am, mad was, uh, I am mad yeah, at you. I am mad at you. Where I sat, it was McKay and I, um, and we were literally three rows from him. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic. It was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then, yeah, we went to go see, we had a photo walk with him. And yeah, Scott was supposed to be in the photo op with us, and then he bowed out. Oh, Scott! Because he—he's uh, like,
1: our, our—he's our Scott goat.
0: Well, he, no, he's like Star Wars isn't that big of me. If this was Ghostbusters, I'd totally stay in here. But I want to give this to someone else that would rather do it more than me. Like, <sighs> that makes
1: me feel. A I mean, little he gave
0: it to Jared. Inside. I mean, he gave it to Jared, which let's let's be fair, Jared. Was, okay, he,
1: Jared, who was yeah. literally born on May the fifth. He was yeah. born on Star Wars Day, so. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah okay to be fair when he was born it wasn't star wars day but that's it
1: wasn't yet but it would be declared later in life yes um and and jared we're speaking of jared siech who is an accomplished independent filmmaker he has won awards for his star wars fan films uh awards uh that come directly from the george lucas estate so he uh he he has done some amazing stuff
0: and he used to
1: be on the show several years yeah yeah he used to be on the show as a regular he's been on his guest uh, that's how I now met he him through the show. His own
0: YouTube channel, his own uh, San Diego Chargers YouTube channel. So, uh, this
1: show not endorsed by Jared Siege.
2: Yep, definitely not.
1: <laughs> okay, right,
2: so,
0: so that's Star Wars. So I've not you met
2: anyone from Star Wars. Galactica. Ah, uh,
1: in the early, yeah, I think it was like a early, almost mid '90s. I think it was actually '95. Uh, I went to my very first. And I think only actually my my very first and only Star Trek convention where I met Marina Certis, who plays Counselor Deanna Troy. So Star Trek is definitely off the board. Also, as it so happens, I am friends with a current cast member of Star Trek Discovery. So Ooh. so there's that. So I've definitely Star Trek is off the list.
2: I, I Which did brings it a in- girl named Deanna after Deanna Troy. So that well, doesn't hey. count though it does not but <laughs> if you had said you had dated a girl named Diana
1: and a guy named Troy i would have given it to you
2: oh. anyway so
0: <laughs>
1: All right. And then finally, that brings us to Battlestar Galactica. Um, unlike Dan, I have not met Edward James Olmos or Katie Sackhoff or Trisha Helfer or any of the uh, Jamie Bamber, any of like the the familiar faces or or any of the like uber, uber, uber famous, famous like J- Edward James Olmos is like an Oscar winning actor. Right. I have not had the chance to meet him, but I did meet Aaron Douglas.
0: Oh, I have a cell phone
1: number. <sighs> you, you, have, you have a cell phone number?
0: Yeah. Of, of edward james almost no aaron douglas oh of aaron, aaron douglas. douglas
1: yeah yeah how do you have why do you have his number was he a
0: guest on the show uh yeah he was on a guest as a show a while back but uh another uh buddy author buddy of mine knows him really well and he hooked me up to get him on the show and yeah so i <laughs> i have his <laughs> me- number so that we, i'll need to arrange that so we can Talk to oh again. i would love that he has
1: no <laughs> recollection of who i am so, but i i have fond memories
2: so yeah. do we so do we get to do an episode where we just pull out dan's phone and just go down the list and just random yeah. call people and be like hey you've got one minute to represent yourself to the internet go <laughs> <laughs> i have
1: i have two celebrities in my
2: phone uh
1: and only two as far as i can remember uh, as far as i remember um and I would—I wonder if I could get any of them, <laughs> if I could get either of them to come on the show. Um, one of them actually is—is is the very first friend I ever made in my entire life back in kindergarten, and he's a—he's a professional actor and a celebrity today. Um, but back to Aaron Douglas for a second. So, as someone, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I used to be uh, a filmmaker and—and and mostly, mostly an, an actor in independent film, and. Uh, whenever I go to things like Fanex or or to a comic convention of any kind, my favorite thing to do—I mean, the vendors are cool. I like to see all the nerdosity and all that stuff. But my favorite thing to do is to track down celebrities that interest or inspire me, and then um, because I respect what they're—you know—I respect how they make a living and everything. I, I put my camera away and I put any recording devices away. And I just talk with them. I just ask them questions. And I pride myself on asking good questions. And, and I had this one moment with Aaron Douglas where I asked him a question that was genuinely important to me as an actor, asking him about his craft. And his immediate response was he goes, wow, that was a great question. I have to think about that. And I was like, yes, scored. Uh, I, I don't do it for the points, but I still keep track of the points.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Nice. Well – that brings us to Mr. Dan who is currently in the lead with two points. Can he make it a hat trick?
0: Ooh. Mm. I like the hockey reference. Uh. Well see. I know I th- this is the, the the tough part. If I I know if I go back far enough because of my age, I get a I get a free point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Don't don't cheat. Don't cheat. <laughs> Come on Dan. Yeah. But mm. But you have to lose
1: one of us and get one of us
0: i know so
1: so don't go too far back
0: gonna a, this, the this one is going to be a tough one because i know it's gonna I, uh, there's going to be some groans so never have i ever read all seven harry potter books Ooh, really i have only read the first one and hated it and have never read a single one after
1: huh alto have you read have you read all seven
2: i i have Yes, uh, in fact, I will forever be able to look up in Wikipedia the day that I got my first pair of glasses because it happened to be the day that the fourth book came out. And everywhere that I went, everybody was like, oh, you're dressing up for the release. And I'm like, no, I'm just a kid with glasses. That's all it is. (laughs) Yeah, it was a whole thing.
1: Okay, Uh, then I've got bad news because... Dan just got a hat trick.
2: Pull out I, the turkey.
1: I I read I read the first three books, first yeah. four books, first three books. I think it was the first three books. And as I went to go see the movie, I, w- I would read the book then go see the movie. And as ah uh, as that happened, I realized that because the books were superior to the film version. I mean, the films are good on their own, mm-hmm. but when you have the knowledge in your head of what it should have been it can get in the way of you enjoying the film as a standalone piece. Yeah. And so I decided after the third film, because it kept just going. It, it The first movie was was great. Second movie was okay. Third movie, I was thoroughly disappointed in comparison to the book. And I decided, you know what? If it's going to get in the way of me enjoying the films, because I'm a huge film nut, I'm going to wait until I see all the movies, or, or I'll see the movie first, and then I'll read the book. Um, I saw all the movies, never went back and read the books.
0: No. So... Just, it, yeah, for me... I mean, I was well into my adulthood when those books came out. And so I was already reading more mature titles and stuff like that. And to go back and read those those books, they just yeah, it just didn't jive with me. And that's okay because for those people that loved them and got into them, that was fantastic because it fit for them. But for me, I was reading, you know, darker sorcery stuff. Uh, I'd already read pretty much every Dragonlance novel out there. I was reading Bob's stuff, uh, you know, the, the the Dark Elf stuff. I was reading Dune. I was reading um you know Conan the Barbarian type novels. So it definitely just it just wasn't my cup of tea because I'd already kind of moved beyond that.
2: Awesome. So knowing that we've got a limited amount of time left and that Dan has just taken the third point from us. Garbage. Anyway, uh, something that I think would be kind of fun to end out the episode then is let's each take a moment and talk about, uh, now that we've taken the time to completely shred our nerd cards, let's take our moment of credibility, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I'd like to hear from each of you, uh, starting with Dan and then Krebs, since you're in second place, you'll go second and I'll go third. Um, What is your nerd cred moment right the Mm -hmm. thing that you have done that you feel is really unique and special to you and this is not necessarily about lording it over everybody out there but it's just about sharing something cool and important to you that you really feel uh is is special and unique okay now that you added
0: unique there that changes my answer (laughs) Uh, because i'm pretty you know can't say you know i've met yeah, Mark Campbell, because that's not unique. A lot of people met him that day. I would have to say, writing and getting my first book published. Uh, yes, very unique. And nominated for
1: an award. I don't know if you guys knew that or well, not, that but he got nominated second. for an award.
0: That was the second.
1: Oh, I didn't mean to. Well, okay, yeah, uh, sure. But you've published two fantasy novels, one of which was award
0: nominated. Yes, that that is true. That is fair. Um, but going through that process, um. Was amazing because it what it took one person saying, "If you wrote a book, I'd publish it." You know, because before then it was just like, "Yeah, that that's a pipe dream. It's never gonna happen." And it just took one per- person to say that. And in three months, I had a book. I had the first draft done, um, which was fantastic and amazing. And you know, I'm excited to get more stuff out there, but things have been crazy. Uh, once things mellow out, uh, I have, I have like four books that are like halfway done. Uh, so <laughs> if I can get into a really good solid mojo, uh, there could be four books out pretty quickly. Um, uh, but that's definitely my unique thing. Um, and I have had several people that have enjoyed it, that have liked it. Um, I have one particular mega fan out there that every time I run into him, he's constantly asking me questions and ha- theories he's created for the next book it's like wow Um, so that's kind of cool
2: nice nice that's great so green room dan okay mr krebs (laughs) oh i have one more thing to add oh oh, please do please do it would be the only thing that would
0: top that is one day going to like comic-con or something like that and someone is cosplaying one of my characters (sighs) yeah yeah
1: that's the spe- that, that, that would be a special feeling.
0: That would be cool, yeah. All right. And okay. moving it over.
1: Um, I have a few precious, thing, precious memories that I go to immediately when you ask this question. I think the one I'm going to stick with is in 2006, as they were launching the PS3, uh, Sony PlayStation put out a competition. Uh, a call for a competition It was And and by the time that I received the email There was like I, I received it, I immediately cracked it open And from that point We had 10 days To, to participate If we were going to do this And all it said was We're going to have a release party in LA We're taking 10 winners with us Who will go to the party, be put up in a swanky hotel And you will get a Playstation 3 at launch But you have to tell us through any medium of your choice, why you should be at this party. And of course, I being me, immediately went to my filmmaking roots, well, roots is a little strong, but my filmmaking skill set. And I remember I was at work when this happened and I remember sitting there and in five minutes, my mind came up with a very clear plan, a very clear idea, which is not very normal for me. And I sat there and I thought, We're going to win. And I put the plan together, got home that day, furiously storyboarded everything with just post-it notes, got it all put together, um, shot it with me, my wife, and a couple of friends. uh, And I had to ask another friend, who is now a professional editor at at Warner Brothers. um, I had to ask him to edit it for me because my software, did it, it never worked at that time. And we put it together and we shipped it. I think we did it in a total of six days, which was, wow. which was a whirlwind. That video is still on YouTube because you had to put it somewhere where they could watch. It. You had to send them the link. Uh, it's called "Obsession: The Josh Krebs Story," a plea for help. It's a mockumentary, and uh, I absolutely we were absolutely one of the ten winners, and I got to go to the LA party, and uh, it was just me. I couldn't take anybody else with me, but I got to go to the LA party. And uh, I got to hob, I, I got to bump elbows quite literally with a number of celebrities that I never ever saw again, nor did I ever speak to. Uh, but it was very, very cool because uh, I got to play PlayStation 3 games before they launched at this party. And then I got my PlayStation 3 a handful of days before it even hit shelves because it shipped direct, directly to my house. And that right there, winning the PS3 at launch through a contest where I make fun of my nerdosity in a short film, that's my nerd cred.
2: Now, for those of you who are uh, trying to search that on YouTube right now, it is obsession, a plea for help. The Josh Krebs story on the Crab, channel. I knew I should have Joshua looked it up again. Krebs from 13 years ago. Indeed, indeed. That's pretty cool. We're going to have to talk more about that sometime.
1: I'm still, I'm still friends with a couple of the other winners and, uh, and they're great creatives. They're just fantastic. Um, but we've all kind of milled out in our old age. <laughs> but it was it was awesome. It was it was a phenomenal experience. We'll talk about it more sometime.
2: Oh yeah, that was great. So Elton,
1: Elton, I mean, besides the fact that you own a game store,
2: oh, uh, well.
1: give us your uh, give us your nerd cred.
2: Yeah, so uh, it's actually one of my fondest memories. But it also is something really unique that I don't think many people will ever be able to do, even not just with this person specifically, but in general. Um, a few years ago, uh before my wife and I uh were engaged, but while we were still dating, uh we uh, were going to help at uh FanX up in Salt Lake. And Larry Elmore had come into town to sign with uh Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Um, and he'd brought a whole bunch of art and, and things like that. And I was lucky enough to be able to help out at their booths, uh, booth over that weekend to just help make sure everything ran well and be able to sell prints and, uh, books and make sure signatures and photo ops and things like that were happening. And, and it was a really good time. Um, but, uh, as we were getting through the middle of the day on Saturday, And talking about the schedule of what was going on, um, Larry realized that Fanex was not going to be open on Sunday. It was only going to be open through the end of Saturday night. And his agent had booked him through uh, Monday morning. So he had the full day on Sunday to be here. And... uh, and just kind of longingly said, oh man, I wish I'd known I would have, maybe I could find a car to rent or something so I can go up into the mountains and get some pictures. And I was immediately like, I have a car. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I'd, I'd built some good grace with him over the previous three days as I'd just been helping get everything set up and out the door and things like that. And he said, would, would you really be willing to? I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I know all the mountains around here. I can drive you wherever you want to go. Like, we'll we'll get you in there. Um, now, Larry uh, finds a lot of inspiration in nature. And, and so, you know, I agreed to meet him first thing in the morning, Sunday morning, drove up to the hotel in Salt Lake where he was staying at 7 a.m., picked him up. And we were out until about 8.30 that night driving through the mountains. We put on a little over 120 miles on my car going up and down and through the mountains and canyons and even off-road stuff, which I was in a little, you know, 2014, uh, 2015, uh, Hyundai, uh, what was, what was I driving? Elantra, right? Like not an off-road car, but it was like, this is an opportunity I'm not going to have again, wherever he wants to go, I'm going to get him there. And, uh, but we spent the whole day just taking pictures and going out into nature and talking about like where he gets his inspiration and what he loves and how he ended up where he ended up and just really connected. And it was a really special, cool moment to be able to have that because a lot of times we, we interact with the work or the output that people produce, but we don't, get to see the, the full picture of the human behind it. So true. Right. And it was one of those brutally, not brutally, not in the, not in the negative sense, but just completely real moments where I got to see somebody who absolutely loved the beauty of nature, getting really into it, who was absolutely grateful to be there Uh, you know, excited to have essentially would amounted to a day off. Um, but was really grabbing life by the horns and going out and doing it. And, uh, that's a day that is going to stick with me for a long time. And, uh, yeah, something I would do again in a heartbeat, but it's one of those things that's been kind of special because I know there are people who would pay huge sums of money to be able to do something like that. And, uh, I got to, and that's cool. That's amazing. That is phenomenal. That's so great. yeah, good on you.
0: Well, well yeah. I feel like
1: we have sufficiently restored our nerd cred. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. <We laughs> and
1: have. yet, and yet, just to tantalize the audience a little more, I know for a fact that I can come up with a few more never have I evers that might make you gasp a little. But maybe. Uh, that's a story for another time.
0: More than likely, yes. All right. So, folks, uh, give us your thoughts. Choose your ideas of your never have I evers. And with that said, we'll catch you next time.
2: Friends, the world may be crazy, but tell your story, whatever may come.
1: And because the world needs it more than ever, be epic, don't suck.
2: Remember, the Force will be with you, Always.